Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. Actually, not the studio, but my office today. Um, super excited to be headed out here shortly to my favorite mountain bike race, which is in Spearfish, South Dakota, the Dakota 5050 mile mountain bike race the day before Labor Day. So I'm super excited to be headed out today and to be competing there again. Um, today, you don't want to miss out. We have Connie Nightingale on our podcast again. I think we've had her at least a couple times. Um, super excited to, to listen to her and her wisdom on strength versus looks. We're going to get into some things that might be a little bit controversial, um, and it might even sound a little um, counterintuitive to what we teach on this podcast, um, because we talk about how important it is to be metabolically healthy and to look good, and and I still think that that is important, but um, strength is maybe more important, and Connie's going to get into that. So, Connie, without further ado, welcome to our show. Hi, thanks for having me again. This is always fun. Yeah, Connie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, a little bit. I don't know if there's a little bit. You can't fit a little bit in. Uh, so um, I I guess we could start with a little bit of the basics and, and just jump through this real quick. But I, I, I raced motorcycles my whole life, uh, but I wasn't exactly what we'd call um, in shape, per se. Uh, so at one point, I was almost 200 pounds in 2015, changed my life with nutrition, and then got back into fitness and it, the rest is history. So I have competed in multiple bodybuilding shows. I have um, done lots of cycling, a couple of 100 to 150 mile endurance cycling races. Uh, and I now have found my passion with powerlifting. So I don't see that changing anytime soon. Uh, won the world championships last year, powerlifting. And um just set set three national records, I think, last year, three or four. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember now. But uh, anyway, I, I love powerlifting, and I've, I've seen it change a lot of other things in my life as well. So I guess we're going to probably talk about that. Yeah. I I, I forget. I, I'm so used to thinking of you as a powerlifter now, not even really a bodybuilder. I, I, I totally forget that you, you know, that you used to uh, ride in endurance type events for on a bike so you know obviously i have a passion for that and uh i respect you from you know that's quite a that's quite a change from powerlifting to uh biking or biking to powerlifting i i'm kind of just the opposite i i i powerlifted in my 20s and didn't start biking until my 40s um and it's interesting i think we might get into that but it is interesting how um there's a lot of there's even though the sports are on totally different ends of the spectrum, um, there's a lot of crossover when it comes to training. And I can tell you because of my powerlifting background, it definitely has benefited my cycling. Oh, for sure. And I actually had a shoulder repair done in January and I couldn't really do the kind of gym workouts I wanted to. So I got back on the trainer in the basement and I was Zwifting and you guys know how that goes, or maybe you don't, but it's on a computer and you can race other people and anything yeah. where there's competition involved, I become dangerous. <laughs> uh, and I was like, now, long distance, it was a big fat no as far as trying to fuel the amount of muscle mass I have right now for long distance was not fun. But the sprints, holy smokes, can I throw right. down some wattage at a short 
for short, exactly. like even up to four right. miles. Uh, I was like, holy cow, I'm putting down some record times on some of these courses that I've never done before. So, uh, and that was when I was not in the best cardiovascular shape as far as endurance goes. So I could definitely see some, some benefits to that. Yeah. I imagine your two to three minute power is, is uh pretty astronomical compared to where it was when, you know, you were a lot lighter and not as strong. I want to say I was rolling and I could totally be butchering this here, but it was like 322 Watts for four miles on some of those sprints. So wow, it, it was impressive. <laughs> it was like, I was like, Oh my God, where's this coming from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's very impressive. I was riding with one of my friends and she's like, I see that wattage going on over there. (laughs) It was kind of funny. We're using, we're using Zwift. Yeah. 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 That, that program, I don't know. It's probably been out. Time goes fast, but it's probably been out 10 years now, but that program has gotten so popular and it's really got a lot of people into cycling. I still prefer to ride outdoors. Um, but Zwift, you know, allows you to compete with people when the weather's not great. You can ride indoors or people. I know there's people that that's solely the only place they ride, but that's OK. I mean, I'd prefer to be outdoors as well. That's like my my jam, right? 5 a.m. Birds are chirping. It's just great yeah. out that I absolutely love that. But in the wintertime, sitting on a stationary trainer with, no, with having to read a book or listen to I just can't do it I gotta have something and you know the let's just face it the, the competition end of things fuels me a little bit yeah. so it's a little fun to be able to jump on with other people and battle it out with somebody from some other country at who knows what time of the day <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah all right so um speaking of being strong and fit um so I think it's important to be strong and fit and I'm just gonna go into it <clears throat> My my thoughts are on that. So ancestrally speaking, um, when you think about what we did as humans, you know, 300, 500 years ago, um, we, we walked a lot. We probably sprinted and ran a little bit when we had to chase down an animal for a few minutes or, you know, a few seconds. However, depending on what it was, but we walked a lot to probably track them. So we were, we, we were, we're fit cardiovascular wise there. Now I, I, and I know there's some power lifters and bodybuilders that say that cardio is not important and the haters can start hating me. And I get it when bodybuilders do cardio, they know it's important because they're doing it to lean up and get cut. Um, but you know, bodybuilders cardio versus, you know, an endurance athlete's cardio is way different and probably the most important thing is to come somewhere in between. But we talk about being metabolically healthy a lot on this um, podcast. And we talk about um, being fit and being, you know, and having good body composition. So low body fat, lower body fat. Um, and I still think those things are important. And, and if you stay strong and fit, that will just come into line. But it doesn't matter that we have a six-pack abs. It doesn't matter what we look like necessarily. It matters how strong we are. If we're going to do our day-to-day lives, strength is important. Strength is important from just getting up off the couch and standing up. That requires strength. Um, and then if we're going to start lifting heavy things and have to really, you know, like ancestrally speaking, you know, if we had to, you know, chase down a deer and, um, you know, kill a deer, um, you had to be strong to do that. You had to carry it. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm still, maybe I'm stealing your thunder, but I think you can add a lot to this conversation. So what are your thoughts? 
Well, I mean, let's just go back to chasing down the deer. I don't know if any of your listeners have packed out wild game in a real sense lately, but I can tell you that it is a lot of work. Uh, my husband and I packed a elk out from eight miles up in the middle of nowhere a couple of years ago, and we woke up totally brutalized. And I looked at him and I was like, we're both in really good shape. How in the heck do some of these other people do this? You know, like, really? So, I mean, that's just one way to look at it. But I think that strength is really important. And we get so caught up in being lean that we forget that muscle is the metabolically active tissue in our body. So some people get so fixated on becoming smaller that they forget to build what is really important as far as running their metabolism goes. So we need muscle. It's really, really important. And if we don't have that, we are missing out on so many other benefits. It helps, it, it, it helps improve our blood sugar. It helps our bone density. So lifting heavy things makes our bone density better, which for women, even postmenopausally, they're known for getting osteoporosis. Uh, you don't get that if you're lifting weights because you have tissue stimulation your bone density actually improves. So there was actually a show I was watching long ago before I even got into fitness and they had found these bones of like a 16 year old female in this cave somewhere. And they knew that she was some kind of worker because her bone density was so good. So Anyway, very, very important to be lifting weights. And we get so focused on becoming lean that we don't actually improve our muscle tissue, which is part of how we burn more calories just doing nothing. So very, very important to be strong. Well, and sarcopenia, which is basically a term for losing muscle mass, is, is a real thing. And, um, you know, osteopenia is losing bones um, and sarcopenia is losing flesh. Literally, it means, uh, you know, losing flesh. And one of the ways to prevent that is resistance training. And, and you're right. That helps make our bones strong, too. Any kind of weight bearing exercise um, will help make our bones strong. Biking is not one of them. Swimming mm-hmm. is not one of them. Right. Um, now, those will make your muscles strong, but they will not make your bones strong. In fact, there are... Uh, male cyclists, even mountain bike racers, which mountain bikers don't have the problem with osteoporosis as much as um, road cyclists do because they're using their upper body muscles and stuff more. But um, there are, you know, mountain bikers, cross-country mountain bikers in their early 20s, mid-20s that have had osteoporosis because they, they cycle and they don't do enough strength training, gym work. So mm-hmm. I, can't stress, I can't stress resistance training enough. We talk about that a lot in this podcast. And, um, you know, a fact of life is, and I want your opinion on this, eventually it's going to be, well, it gets more difficult to put on muscle mass as we age. That's, that is just a fact. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean we can't do it, but it gets more difficult. So we should try to build as much muscle mass as we can. So, um, God willing, we live into our 80s, 90s, or 100. We're not weak, frail people, correct? 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I actually was talking about this with a client the other day. So I do a lot of personal training in person with people. And my range of people that I work with these days is women's and women in their 50s and 60s and a couple of males. I don't work with a lot of uh, young people in person. And so many of these people are like, I wish I had started sooner. Uh, so we were, I was talking with one client. She's in her 60s and she had somebody trying to get her to barbell back squat, a personal trainer. And she was asking, me. She's like, how do I do this? And I can't seem to get it. And I, and we started talking about it. Had she have started doing it earlier in her life, it might've come more naturally to her, but at her age, the risk to reward ratio is really super high. And so she was like, I wish I had started this sooner so that I had a lot of these things going for me before I got older and had restrictions in my movement and injuries and things like that. Well, and another thing to remember too is and people kind of debate on what the term is and if, if it's real or not. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. But they debate they about the muscle memory. You've probably heard that term before. And I will tell you this. So I I uh, lifted lifted weights from the time I was 14 years old, um, you know, at least a few times a week until um, the time I was, let's see, my youngest son would have been born when he, um, I was 32. So he would have been born in, yeah, I was 32 when he was born. So I did it for almost 20 years. So 18 years. And at the time I, I, I competed, um, in powerlifting, um, some of those years. And, um, then I quit for about 10 years, uh, maybe in about eight years, actually, I quit lifting for about, um, eight or nine years. And, um, I mean, and I, and I lost some weight, uh, lost a lot of weight. I got obese and I lost some weight. And I mean, when I, when I lost weight, which I lost about 60 pounds, I was a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say frail, but I was pretty, I didn't have a lot of muscle mass on me. Mm-hmm. And then I started, um, mountain bike racing and, um, started training for endurance mountain bike racing, um, and then I started lifting a little bit and, you know, I mean a little bit. And even now, I mean, I only do, you know, maybe an hour a week in the gym um, with not a lot of heavy weight, mm-hmm. but I, but I've been able to really stimulate um, muscle development. And I think it's because I started lifting when I was very young and you see the same thing happen with, uh, you know, competitive um, mountain bike racers where, you know, they race when they're younger, they take 10 years off, they come back and in eight weeks they're in great shape. It's, it's incredible, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so what are your what are your thoughts about that? Starting early is my is 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 why it's so important, but it's never too late. In more aspects than just the muscle memory, if you want to get right down to it, because you will see um, people that are they grow up without a lot of movement in their life and they actually don't even have body awareness. So when they're trying to learn late, I mean, there's a lot to these fast twitch muscles that move and you have awareness and you know where they're moving and you're used to picking things up and you're used to leverages and all of these things. If you're not doing these from a young age, it can be much more difficult to acquire that skill just based on a foundational primal movement level, right? So yes, you can keep some of the muscle that you already have. That's a huge thing. And it's been proven time and time again, when people get injured, they can't work out, they maintain their muscle longer, they are also able to get it back quicker, which is huge. 
Um, but also from a movement aspect, right? If we are not used to utilizing our muscle and our tissues in a great way, think of that as we age, we're going to move less. We're not going to be able to move as um, accurate as we need to in an older age. And then think of it from a stability issue as well. How many people are falling down? They're breaking hips. They're doing all this. It's because of proprioception, yeah. So their proprioception isn't great. So now they're beginning to lose balance. Uh, their external rotation and stuff in their legs is not strong because they haven't been going through movement patterns. So they're more susceptible to breaking things on top of what we already talked about, which is the bone density thing. That That's the all great points. And, you know, it brings up a reminder to me, you know, I can tell when I've worked out with somebody, um, and you can tell, you know, like if they're new to, you know, losing weight and maybe new to working out, um, you can tell if they have any history of athletics in their past. And 100%. I, I use my wife as an example. She was an athlete in high school in many different sports. And when she started biking um, and doing gym work, even though she hadn't done it, you know, in a while, I mean, she caught onto it right away and she responded right away. And I think part of it was because she had an athletic background already. And I know I, I love sharing this story because so many times, as you know, being a cyclist, people have a hard time clipping in. And and I, so I was really nervous about having her clip in and I got her pedals that, ha- that had a platform, but also clipped in and she caught on right away. I think it's her proprioception. But also what she said is she thinks it's from her um, growing up riding horses. So she wasn't scared at all being clipped in. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's yet another, you know, another thing of like if you start, you know, just moving and being athletic um, when you're young, it just it transfers over when you're older. And like you say, it prevents those things from, you know, from fall when you when you fall down. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I always joke there's a lot of box squatting in my programming right now. So as we talked about, I'm a competitive power lifter overcoming an injury, but I have some big plans here in the next year or so. And I box squat this crazy heavy weight. So I've, I've had lately uh, over 200, sometimes over 300 pounds on my back and I'm sitting down onto a box and everyone's like, well, why are you sitting down? What is that? I was like, I'm training to get off the toilet when I'm older. If I can do it with 300 pounds on my back, I can easily do it with nothing. My body knows how already. (laughs) Well, so what, when you train your clients, speaking of balance, um, mm-hmm. I know my coach prescribes a lot of one-legged exercises, mm-hmm. um, you know, partly, um, because, you know, obviously with body weight, you can really stress it when you do one leg, but obviously it's for balance too. And as a mountain biker, balance is very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we get older, it's important too. So do you prescribe any, um, one-legged exercises for, for your clients? Yes, that's a really common thing. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of leverage one, like unilateral exercise as well. So, um, like for example, just like, uh, it's an exercise called a ski jumper, right? Where it's technically like a deadlift movement, hinge movement at the hips, but you're, you're actually just pushing your hand forward and your leg back and you're having to hinge that requires you balance, right? Right. 
Uh, and if you want to take it a step further, you can turn it into a deadlift with a kettlebell and hold that kettlebell in front of you. You're, you're now utilizing proprioception. And this can be as easy as ordering one of those wobble cushions or a pancake on Amazon. They're like 14 bucks. You blow them up with your air pump for a basketball and you just stand on them with one leg and just, just wiggle back and forth. You are activating those type two muscle fibers. You're making them respond and you're growing your proprioception then that's going to be huge as you age. It's amazing how effective those exercises are. So speaking of that, uh, I'm, I know them as a balance pad. So you stand on some kind of balance pad with one leg and have a, a light kettlebell in your hand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you bend down with one leg and touch the ground with the other arm. And um, it can, when you first do it, it's difficult. You can't even do it on the pad. You have to do it on a flat floor. And even that's hard. Mm-hmm. And talk about a hamstring workout, not just balance, but a hamstring workout. It's a Mm -hmm. great hamstring workout. Well, and I look at this in cyclists too. So I have some friends because I used to cycle that are pretty elite cyclists, right? In the endurance space. And they're pretty lean and they're pretty small. And I'm all, they're like, well, I hate going to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. And I'm like, yeah, but if you lift weights, you're not going to get injured. You're going to have, I mean, because how many people have knee issues? That's a big one for cycling knee and hip issues and a lot of that all breaks down to like stability if they were loading in a hinged position like that where they have to balance and they actually have to create strong hip external and internal rotation they're going to have less knee problems they're going to have less hip problems they're going to perform better they're going to be less likely to get injured it can go it fits every every spectrum of person from the gem pop person to the extreme athlete like it's a really important thing well, in any athletic, uh, you know, you, you, it's important to to do exercises that complement um, and maybe even are analogous to the movement that you're doing um, routinely. So, for instance, as a cyclist, you don't do any lateral movement. You're just pedaling forward all the time. So you have no lateral movement. So I think doing, um, you know, side lunges mm-hmm. um, and any kind of lateral movement is very important to help you stabilize your knees so you don't get injured. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another great one for people that are working in that plane all the time is uh, just like sticking a mini band around your arches of your feet and walking from side to side, right? Uh, yeah. Things like that. It's just little stuff. You can get these things at TJ Maxx or on Amazon for like five bucks and you can do a ton with them because you need to be working in that plane of motion. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you talk about strength, is there, is there um, ever a problem with being too big? Of course there is. I mean, uh, you and I, I think we've, we've both known people that are heart, they're huge. And if you think about it, your heart is also having to fuel that much more tissue as well. So people, you've got some of these elite strongman competitors, really large bodybuilders, things like that. They start to deal with kidney function problems, heart problems, things like that, because they're actually trying to fuel too much muscle tissue. So, and, and granted, these are like, um, exceptions to the rule, right? Because these people get really big. And then in the powerlifting and strongman space, you have these people that get really big and they're also packing on a lot of fat along with it. Uh, their dieting habits to get to that size are really 
plus performance enhancement, like you could dive into a million different things in this, the habits to get to that size are not necessarily healthy ones either. So it can actually become detrimental to their overall health. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I follow Eddie Hall and Brian Shaw sometime or a little bit. And I mean, those guys are incredibly freaking huge. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking six foot six, six foot eight, 400 pounds, and, mm-hmm. and they are incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, just un, unreal how big they are. I mean, they, they make Mr. Olympia bodybuilders look small. I mean, mm-hmm. literally they're, they're almost twice the size. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I, I'm with you. I, I think, I think they're on the extreme end and I, I don't think it's healthy. And yeah, you, you look what those guys eat and because they don't have to stay lean, they basically eat all the calories they can. Doesn't matter what it is. And mm-hmm. I, it is just unreal. 12,000 plus cal, 12,000, 15,000 calories a day. And sometimes it's just junk. Mm-hmm. But if you think of it, so, and I can relate on this on many levels, because I have to eat a lot right now to maintain my level of fitness. Uh, if you're eating healthy food, it is nearly impossible to get good quality calories in, right? Like you're, you're literally force feeding down chicken and vegetables and all of these things that, that it's, they're not calorically dense. So it's no wonder when people switch over to a whole foods diet, their body composition automatically changes without necessarily reducing the mass of food that they get because it's really, really hard to get that many. So can you even imagine what it would look like to get 12,000 calories in, in whole foods? It would be well, nearly I, impossible. I mean, right. Uh, imagine eating 12,000 calories of chicken breast. You couldn't do it. I, yes. I just don't think physically you really could. <laughs> no, right? you couldn't do it. So, of course, I mean, there's been times, I'm not going to lie, like I eat very clean. I'm very meticulous about my food. But there have been days where I'll fall short on my calorie targets. And I'll be like, okay, well, it's yeah. pizza day because we got to reload and I don't have another way to do it. And it's not going to happen with chicken and rice and broccoli and vegetables and whole grains and fruit. It's just not going to happen. And so it's like, well, got to catch up, have a little re feed day here (laughs) cram some calories down so that i can keep trucking away with my normal eating routine and uh that's the unfortunate part and where things can become a little bit unhealthy when you want to start performing at an elite level because you've got to make compromises somewhere so that you can make it happen so i think there is a and that's the thing that people don't understand right they'll come to me and they'll be like i want to look like this social media influencer over here they don't realize what's going into that. They don't realize that this person with this epic physique is probably not on the healthiest side of things, right? Uh, I have some clients that follow this one lady. I'm not going to name her name, but she's this macro lady figure competitor. And they're like, but look at her. She looks so amazing. All I got to do is follow her macro plans. And I'm like, I'd love to see her lab work. Show it to me. <laughs> you know, I well, want to see what's actually going on, right. you know? And what a lot of people don't realize, and this is really, you know, I... I um, I, I follow some men bodybuilders and, um, and one of the things that people don't realize, and you being a bodybuilder, um, you know, this is that those people look like that for a few hours for a show. And, and that is it. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times when those, I mean, I'm not saying they still don't look good off season, you know, but, but they don't, they don't look like they did on stage. And, um, because in bodybuilding, they, they, they peak at a very, very specific time. 
And um, a lot of times what they do with those photo shoots is they do kind of a mini cut like they do for a bodybuild, like they do for bodybuilding, like they do for a show. And, you know, they just act like they're that way all the time. And they're not. And as you probably know, they do multiple videos and multiple different clothes and in multiple different shots and stuff. So it looks like they're that way all the time. Mm-hmm. And then they, then six months later, they're putting all this stuff out on social media. Like, see, this is me every day. I look like this. And it's just mm-hmm. it's absolutely not the, not, not the facts. And there's a couple pieces to this, right? So even pro football players, I'll throw Tom Brady out there for an example. They don't do photo shoots in their on football playing seasons. They don't because they cut for those photo shoots. They cut for those advertisements. <laughs> so they they don't do any of that when they're playing. First, they don't have time. Second right. of all, they can't be susceptible to injury or injuring their performance by leaning out and going through a cut to do these photo shoots. So all of that stuff that they do for advertising purposes is done in the off season because they can't perform at the rate they need to perform if they are cutting weight. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. so you just can't, you can't believe what you see on social media. I mean, you, you just, right. um, well, and, and, go ahead. <laughs> and getting into coaching. So I've ended up coaching some pretty elite level people at this and some big time influencers at this point. And it, It's very hard. Like, so they're not included in a lot of my fitness groups. They don't want anybody to know they're working with somebody. There's a lot of stuff there, right? But some of these people are claiming to get you healthy with their protocol or their special diet or their intermittent fasting or whatever it may be. And then they're coming to me and they're like, I haven't had my cycle in 14 months and now I'm, I'm bleeding and now my thyroid is messed up and now I have all this going on. Can you tell me what's going on with me? And it's like, I see your social media posts. You're intermittent fasting too much. You're in the gym every single day. You're not recovering. You're doing these hit workouts. You're doing all of these things that are making you look good for social media and that you're marketing to other women. But then you on the backside, what you're not telling people is that you have all of these massive problems yourself. So uh, including eating disordered behaviors. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, But People don't know that. They're only seeing the highlight reel. They're only seeing that body that's been cutting for 16 weeks. They don't know. I can tell you personally, I did uh, five bodybuilding shows. I can tell you that I felt like I was going to die before every single one of them. I could hardly get out of bed. I was so exhausted or even go to work. It was terrible. I never care to feel that way again. I will stay as far away from bodybuilding as possible because of that, because I just want to feel good and I want to have longevity. Any, any competitive bodybuilder will tell you that some of the worst times they ever felt was, you know, when they're right before a show when they're competing and, 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 and also some of the best, some of the worst health they're ever in, mm-hmm. um, is, is also, um, I mean, you know, competitive bodybuilding is just, you know, at that level, it's just, it's just not healthy. I mean, it, it, it's just not, it's not healthy to have, I don't know what the numbers are, but don't they have less than 2% body fat a lot of times? It depends on males versus females and stuff like that. A lot of the males get way down there. Um, Females are usually eight to 10, depending. I mean, now bodybuilding's kind of getting to this place where everybody wants to do it for social media. And so some people aren't in the condition they need to be when they step on stage. Uh, It doesn't mean they didn't work real hard to get in. I mean, it's hard to get into that condition. (laughs) Uh, So some of these people may have undergone a huge weight loss journey, but they're still not body fat percentage wise quite where they should be yeah still not as lean as they should be so Mm -hmm. so as we wind this podcast up connie um you know tell us in in two sentences why it's 
how about how about this in a paragraph? Tell us what is the why is it so important to stay strong, and what's the best way to stay strong? I honestly think um, for anybody listening to this, they need to know if they start focusing on becoming strong, they're going to see a lot of their other health markers fall in line with that. They're going to see their insulin sensitivity improve. They're going to see their body composition improve. If they make it less about a weight loss game and they make it more about a being able to function and move heavy weight gain, they're going to see a huge change in their physique and their overall health, not only from um, a physical aspect, but also a mental aspect. And so how do you do that? How do you, well, start moving some heavy weight. Now, obviously we talked about uh, that older people that may not have been moving weight their whole life. Uh, it's not, they're not going to go in and start barbell back squatting or bench pressing or <laughs> yeah, anything right. like that. Um, but just get started too. Don't be afraid to go to the gym. And there are plenty of machines now that are easy to operate and you're not likely to injure yourself. So get started, start somewhere, keep track of what you're doing. Try to move more weight every single week. That's really important. Well, I, I think that's what's the most important part. I, I don't think that you don't have to make it complicated. And um, in some ways, if you're doing nothing now, it's a lot easier than somebody that's already been doing something at an elite level. Because if you're doing nothing now, you just got to start doing something and you will right. get gains. I guarantee it. So just body weight stuff and start moving, um, you know, and then progress from there. So yeah, it doesn't have to be six days a week. It doesn't have to be five. It can be two or three. Right. It can be one. Start with something, master it, add another day after you've mastered it. Don't make it this thing that's overwhelming that causes you to feel like you failed and not ever be able to start again. So start small. If that's setting a goal up, I'm going to go to the gym once a week and do the little circuit that they have on the machines. More power to you. That's perfect. absolutely, absolutely. Don't make it complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Connie. So I'm streaming your website here. Tell us the best way to get a hold of you if somebody has any questions. Um, so there you can direct me, contact me right at the contact button there that you see in the corner. That's a great way to get in touch with me. I have a lot of free health protocols on there, recipes, my blog. I haven't updated in a while. I've been a little busy podcasting myself. Uh, basically anything on there you can book. Uh, I also do lab work for nutrition optimization with that. So you can always have your labs run and we can take a look at everything and see how that relates to your nutritional strategies as well. Awesome. Connie, always a pleasure to have you on. I really enjoy your wisdom. I enjoy following you on social media and watching you get stronger. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you so much for being on today, Connie. Thanks for having me. And thank you listeners and viewers for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in to our regularly scheduled podcast at 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. Monday, oh, I, I, the Monday is actually uh, Labor Day, so tune in Tuesday. I'm not sure who our guest is, but it's going to be a good one. So Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.